Welcome to Cancer Specialist Medical Minute. With Dr. Rick and Dr. Danny. That's Dr. Rick. And that's Dr. Danny, and we're excited to be back for another episode. And I'm already dreading that look on your face, Dr. Danny. Tells me you got a joke. We've got another dad joke. I don't know why you're resisting this so much, Dr. Rick. I think uh, the last one, we... How many hits did we have after that last joke? A that million. We About a million? We're on the yeah. top of the charts. Yeah, it's Just from the joke. I think you're like looking at the chart upside down. It's actually plunging way down, our ratings when you tell jokes. But go ahead. No, I, I really want to hear this one. All right. My parents love the joke, and they are our only yeah. reviewers. Shout out, to, shout out to your parents, actually. The OGs, as we call them. The OG listeners. Yes. All right. Did you know that the first French fries weren't actually cooked in France? I didn't know that. They were cooked in Greece. Oh. Yikes. Well, June is Cancer Survivors Month, and as oncologists, survivorship is, of course, the ultimate goal. We could talk to a bunch of patients and go through our experiences with those patients about survivorship, but I think we got something a little bit better planned. Isn't that right? Oh, that's right, Dr. Ray. We uh, have someone special here today, uh, Dr. Siegel, and after practicing oncology for over 30 years, he chose to be uh, treated by those physicians who he trusts the most, his colleagues here at Cancer Specialists, and he's here to tell you a little bit about himself. So I'll just give a quick uh, one-liner. Dr. Siegel joined Cancer Specialists of North Florida back in 1988. He's board certified in medical oncology and internal medicine, and he was kind enough to drive out here from our clay office to, uh, we'll call it the Medical Minute home base. We'll, we'll work on titles with that. The pod loft? The pod loft. I like that. Yes. But uh, Dr. Siegel, thank you so much for being here, and uh, please feel free to add on to that introduction and tell us your story. Well, uh, thank you very much. Uh, um, it's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to tell my story. Um, I was diagnosed uh, eight years ago with a uh, stage four lymphoma. Um, I actually diagnosed myself. Uh, I had some more pain. It was running out of, out of proportion to what I thought um, and got some scans and saw um, areas of my bones, uh, multiple lytic lesions in my bones. Um, a lytic lesion means that the bone is actually being eaten away. And it took two, two biopsies, but finally they got a diagnosis um, of follicular lymphoma stage four. Now, being a medical oncologist, um, follicular lymphoma is, means to me that it is not one of the very aggressive lymphomas. And to, so to some extent, I was happy that I had a diagnosis and knew that I, I had therapy that um, would be effective. Um, and uh, you know, I chose one of my partners to be my, uh, my, my physician. To, I, I trust him. I trust, trusted his expertise. I trusted his hu humanity is the word I'm looking for. Um, and uh, I was very, very pleased with doing so. Who is your physician, if you don't mind me asking? Dr. Badernath. Um I like the fact that I was treated locally. I didn't have to go anywhere. I didn't have to get in my car and make a special uh, treatments. Um, um, and to tell you the truth, I. I would see patients in the morning, get my treatments in the afternoon, and start the same thing over the next day. So um, I think when people get that diagnosis of cancer, it can be a, really a life changer for, for certain people. And you have to realize that with our therapies that we have now, 
we have really we're breaking the glass ceiling. We are a, we have such better therapies that are so much more effective and less toxic. And you know, when I was growing up, nobody talked about cancer. You know, it was it was something that was hidden. It was put on the back shelf. You you whispered about it. The kids never knew that you know that somebody had cancer. And now, you know, we we talk about it. We're a lot more open. Um, and and we have better therapies. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, and you know, I think it's something that, as an oncologist, putting yourself in the shoes of trying to be both the patient, but also, I'm sure it was tempting to, of course, want to be the clinician as well. Uh, was that a struggle for you at times to try to balance that, or did you kind of let it go and let your partner kind of take over? I let my part partner take over, but yes, it was a little bit of a balance. Um, I think it was hardest on my wife. You know, we had to, when I was diagnosed, uh, you know, I had to make that call to my, to my children and uh, to my brothers and sisters. My parents are no longer alive, so, um, and so we, you know, I called my loved ones and, and let them know. Um, and they were very supportive, but I think it hit my, hit my wife harder than it hit me because it was unknown to her. You know, I'm I'm in the clinic. I'm seeing patients every day. I I see what they go through, and I know what these regimens are like, and I know what different diagnoses are. Um, but to her, it was an unknown. And I think that's you know a lot of the the fears. You know, what's the unknown? What what's going to happen? Uh, what's going to happen with my life? What's going to happen with my kids? What's going to happen with my job? You know. You know, am I going to have pain? Am I going to be sick? You know, all those things are unknown. And so I actually think that I had a leg up on a lot of people since I was so, so involved in, in, um, in the field. I think as clinicians, we, we understand what the side effects of therapies are because we read about it. We anecdotally have experiences with all of our patients who undergo the treatments. But as a patient yourself who underwent a treatment that you've probably administered to other patients, um, was, what was the difference that stood out to you and, and what, were there some surprises along the way? Um, can you tell us a little bit about your treatment experience? So I was uh, a little surprised. Um, I had a little more nausea than I thought I would. It never got to the point where I was sick and throwing up, but I just had this, this chronic nausea that I just couldn't shake. Um, I would get my treatments on Thursday and Friday, and and without fail, within five minutes of the treatments leaving my body, I would have hiccups that would last the entire weekend. That drove my wife crazy <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because we tried to do things as normally as possible. And we go out to a to a movie, and I'm I'm having hiccups and hiccups, <laughs> and and miraculously on Monday they would disappear so but that was one of the things the pain from the new shot was a, a, a kick in the in the uh, kick in the butt uh, those those are some of the biggest th biggest things I was surprised about has it reframed at all how when you've seen patients since when you explain not just the specific therapies that you had but you know just generally speaking when you're talking to patients these days so it does. I have a little more patience. <laughs> um, and, 
You know, when I tell patients that, uh, you know, I'm a cancer survivor, I think they listen. And they, uh, I think they believe, me, believe in what I say a little bit more. It's the ultimate credibility. Yes. Now, we all have patients who, um, you know, look into uh, alternative treatment options and, um, you know, think about adjuvant treatments or um, uh, treatments that are, uh, can be helpful in uh, taking ancillary. care of si ancillary, treating side effects of treatments. Um, you know, were there any treatments that you explored outside of the prescribed course of your therapy? Um, no, not really. Um, I tried a, a couple of different anti-nausea medicines, um, one of which made me worse off than, um, than the treatments itself, so, um, but no. And, and one of the reasons why is that you don't know what are in some of these uh, treatments. You don't know if they are going to potentiate side effects, whether they are going to interfere with the mechanism of which way, uh, in, in which the drugs work. You don't know if, um, if they're going to exacerbate some of the side effects that you have. And, and, and all those are, you know, unproven uh, treatments. And so... No, I didn't really realm out, uh, venture outside the normal room. I think you touched on it earlier, but sometimes, I, at least what I see in the clinic is the toughest, is the family members, caregivers of patients, and sort of what their role is, how they can help. And you talked about telling your wife, of course, about the diagnosis. diagnosis. Is there anything from your expertise and experience that, you know, advice you can give to caregivers when they come in with their family member who may have a new diagnosis, things they can do to help, questions to ask, that sort of thing? So I think they have to be, um, they have to realize, number one, to listen to the patient uh, and to listen to the physician. Um, we're all in this together. It's not like we are above anybody else. I think if we join in the fight together, I think we're, we're much, much more effective. Did you have any interest in exploring, for example, a clinical trial? Some, some patients, you know, choose to go to a, a you know, tertiary center and explore clinical trials. I think, you know, for different types of lymphomas, there are good trials out there. Um, was that something you looked into before you started treatment? So I did. I, um, before I started therapy, I went to, um, I went to University of Florida. Um, I actually know the head of the research department. He was one of the attendings when I was a fellow there. And so I went there and, and we discussed uh, my case and, and different clinical trials. But they didn't have anything more to offer that I can get at home. And I think that's, you know, having a conversation with your provider and, and you know, candidly talking about if you are exploring a clinical trial to say, is this something that is worthwhile pursuing um, and you know are they exploring a new therapy on top of the standard of care therapy is this you know uh, phase one or phase two trial which you know may not again be uh, the right answer for certain types of cancer so I, I think having a conversation with your provider about that's crucial yeah I think framing the discussion is, is very important when you speak to patients so mm -hmm. you know what I at least the way I try to do it in some situations is you say, here's the different options, here's the pluses and minuses of both, here's potential clinical trials that are open. Because I think what's most important is once a patient commits to a treatment is they feel fully on board to not only the treatment, 
but the team that's administering the treatment, their family, and everyone else who's involved in the decision-making process feels on board. I think it just it allows for just such a smoother um, start and, and finish through through care because everyone feels comfortable that they've heard all their options. They feel comfortable with what's being presented to them. No one feels strong-armed into doing something they may or may not want to do. Because I think what I would, you know, the horror I would always have is if something happened, would the patient look back and say, well, I didn't know about X, Y, and Z was available. And I think that's important. So, no, I think research is obviously a huge, clinical trials are a huge part of that. And I think, um, you know, there, there has been over the years been some breakthroughs in follicular lymphoma, you know, the type of lymphoma you, you've been treated for. And I think um, CSNF has, you know, since we've been here, Rick, has really opened up a, a number of trials, you know, not only for lymphomas, but other cancers. So I think just giving patients the option of, of those trials, I think, is is amazing that we have that capability here. And I think those, those options are great. And I think that the patients and the patient's families need to know about those options. But they are still looking to you for guidance, Absolutely. and you are still captain of the ship. Absolutely. And having a good, frank discussion with them involving patients and families is, is always very important. And, but in the end, they're going to say, well, doctor, what, what do you recommend? And, and so you still have to be the captain of the ship. No, it's a team sport, but clearly we have the, the training and should at least have lend our opinion and sort of why. And you also need to lay out why this is your opinion. You know, it's not a dogmatic, from the top, you have to do this. It's, I think you should do this, and here are the reasons why, is sort of, I think, how, and Dr. Siegel, you could probably speak to this much better than I can, maybe how medicine has changed over the years of going from a top-down approach to maybe more of a team-based <laughs> approach. Has, it has changed in many, many ways. It really has. Uh, from oncology, what, what we have to offer for, for our patients, uh, and, and obviously, you've been with this group in its in its form, one way or the other, for a long time. Can you just touch on, you know, obviously Jacksonville has changed quite a bit since you've been here, but just touch on how the practice has evolved. Um, we, you mentioned therapies, but just in general, I would just as this is kind of me nerding out. Can just tell me how things have changed, and you know what's been different for you throughout the years. So when I started. Um, I started w with one other physician, and there were lots of mom and pop uh, medical oncologists. Now you can't survive as an individual medical oncologist. Uh, the drugs are too expensive. You know, we pay for the drugs, and so um, missing one dose or not getting reimbursed for one dose would, would bankrupt an in one individual or a mom and pop sort of uh, type of uh, operation. And so, you know, we do have these much larger groups. I think our group, CSNF, is, is fantastic. We have over 30 partners, and, and I have been impressed with the people who work here, um, the physicians who work here. I think I'm getting another Nobel, uh, Nobel uh, laureate every day, every time <laughs> I meet somebody new. Um, I'm surprised at the expertise that they have. And the way we are able as a team to negotiate all the different facets of, of, of medicine, not only keeping together and communicating as a group uh, and knowing the business of medicine, knowing the, the research of medicine, knowing medicine of medicine, um, keeping up uh, with uh, our interpersonal relationships with other specialists, uh, 
you know, it, we work so well together as a team. And before, it was, you know, mano, mano a mano. Uh, that's what I see. That's what the biggest difference I see. That's, I think that, and I, Danny and I touched on it on an earlier episode. You know, I think, at least for me personally, and I want to speak for you, Danny, what really attracted me to this group was that all the physicians that I met when I came here were very like-minded in that obviously very good at what they do, most importantly, of course, good clinicians, but good interpersonal skills, good people. And I think that may or may not always be the case depending on, on where you go. And it really just, the proof is in the pudding with how the testament to this group of being able to survive an environment where outside forces may or may not be uh, allowing you to do things you used to be able to do in such an easy manner. Yeah. I think the power is in numbers, uh, you know, I mean, I think we had the fortunate ability to join a group which already had a, a solid presence here in Jacksonville and the surrounding area, and, you know, we're for definitely fortunate to be with the group, and I think it's it's helped us succeed. Uh, you know, Dr. Siegel, I think you guys have paved the way for us, and we're, we're so excited to be here. And, Grateful. Uh, Grateful, definitely. I recruited you. <laughs> you did? You did? Or your dad recruited no, me. Yeah. <laughs> On the golf course? <laughs> you, know, you know, we have a phrase, and we say it over and over again. Cancer doesn't care. We do. That's just not a phrase. We are not a big hospital group. We are not an organization that is in it to see where they can make the next dollar. We are clinicians we invest in our community, we invest in the care of our patients. And that is just not a slogan. That is the truth. And just in my limited time since being here, I, I see it day to day. I, I think there are so many people that get turned away from, you know, other options and end up talking to us in certain situations. And, and I know we, we do bend over backwards and make it work because at the end of the day, it's about the patients. Yeah. If you're not providing good care, None of else, none of, nothing else matters. And so I think that just, it's been an amazing experience being here so far to see that in real life. I think the collaboration is bar none because I remember even in fellowship, which isn't that far, you know, back, we're talking all those moons ago, three, <laughs> three, five years ago. But to, to, to say that, you know, I mean, we, we had tumor boards and we had discussions and radiation oncologists, interventional team, you know, talk about patient cases, but the collaboration we have with you, Rick, and the radiation team, and our imaging, and, you know, our outside providers, too. I mean, I just think it's it's amazing. Uh, it wasn't, it, it's much different than what I had in fellowship. I think there was a more of a divide between the radiation oncologists and the medical oncologist. You know, everyone kind of had their role, and I, I feel like we're talking about patients whether we can collaborate or not, we're talking about patients together and finding what the right treatments are for them together. So, you know, our paths have crossed. Um, you you did your training in Emory. I, I did. did my training in Emory. I did. You did your training in Loyola in Chicago. I went to medical school in Loyola in Chicago. So we, yeah, we there's are... A, there's a part of you. <laughs> yes. And you were in Gainesville, Definitely. too, for... No, I wasn't oh, in Gainesville. Okay. No. You just like to think everyone's a gator. Yeah, I just assume that... People who are really good at what they do are obviously gators, and Dr. Siegel fits that bill. Come on, producer Brennan, let's go. <laughs> um, I, you know, I think we touched on it on some other episodes, but and I'd be interested to hear your perspective. You touched on it with your treatment a little bit, Dr. Siegel. Cancer care going from 
you know, what you would see in the movies, if you will, back in the day of, yes, patients would get a therapy and the therapy would cause more harmful effects than it would help with the cancer to nowadays you're seeing people work full-time jobs. You were working in clinic and still getting treatment. Has it been, I mean, just from your point of view, just kind of describe that for me, seeing how it's all changed over the years. You know, it really is, it's night and day difference. I remember when I went to ASCO, which is the American Society of Clinical Oncology. It was in Dallas, Texas, and I was, I think it was my first year here, our first or second year here in Jacksonville. And we thought uh, we had all the greatest anti-nausea <laughs> medicines that, that we could have, just in one, one type of supportive care. And, and, and there's this new class of drugs that was coming out for anti-nausea. The company rented out this huge billboard on the interstate that was going to the convention center in Dallas. And I remember seeing its name, you know, on that huge billboard. You know, that class of, of drug had such an impact, impact on the ability to treat patients and prevent nausea. And, you know, we've expanded on that. We would have people who um, would have treatable cancers but wouldn't, treatable and curable cancers, and would, would miss their treatments because of the, uh, the toxicity of therapy. Or we used to have something we called anticipatory nausea, where um, patients all of a sudden got sick when they knew, the, they knew it was the day of their chemotherapy. Or they were driving to the clinic and they knew if they passed this one sign, it was the way to the oncologist's office. And so they got sick when they passed that sign or there was some sort of smell or as soon as they entered, entered into the building, they would get, even before they got their treatments. And so for us ability, uh, to have the ability to, just to control that one side effect of, of cancer therapy, I think it's uh, tremendous. Uh, from the radiation side, you know, it, it's funny when I was in training, some of the more senior attendings would say, you're never going to see, or hopefully never going to see, some of the side effects we used to cause in patients, you know, undergoing different types of therapy. Because in my mind, I would rem I just remember thinking, you read about in the textbook what should be happening or what the rates are of certain side effects, and but I wasn't seeing it in, in person very often. So it was that was my little experience with that, was just saying, oh, well, things clearly are gotten a lot better so I, I, I think for patients and caregivers listening it's you know exciting that if they're you know in the position where they need these therapies we have so much more to offer them in terms of you know getting them through it in a good manner you know another thing is that we used to give a lot of chemotherapy in the hospital so if you were going to, going to get chemotherapy you had to be admitted into the hospital and stay in the hospital and some of the treatments were multiple days of therapy. Now, almost everything is outpatient and outpatient therapy. So you can sleep in your own bed. Or work in clinic. Or work in clinic. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to find um, Dr. Siegel's original headshot from oh. the 90s, and I, I don't know where it is on my I computer. Think there's a, I think we should go for his college headshot. <laughs> And find find that. I think that would be more entertaining. I, I'll have to I'll have to find it. <laughs> we do have pictures of my high school graduation. Oh, a picture that they're, send it. <laughs> they're in my office. Oh, they are perfect. And I think the best picture is um, 
when my brother graduated medical school, um, uh, there's a picture of my family um, during his graduation, and I look like Epstein from Welcome Back, Cotter. <laughs> I really did. I have that picture on my phone. I'll show you. That's awesome. <laughs> Are you coming out? Your your brother is he a physician in town or is he so I have somewhere else? So I have uh, two brothers and a sister. Um, my brother is a uh, cardiologist. He for years and years and years. For 35 years, he was in New Orleans, and now he's in Virginia. Uh, my sister is a PhD psych psychologist at West Point, and my brother is what we consider a Jewish boy who can't stand the sight of blood, and that's a lawyer. <laughs> and he, law, and he lives law in or medicine. Law or medicine. It's the only choice. <laughs> so he lives in New Orleans also. That's great. Oh, great. And so this is not just a medical podcast, it's kind of a sports podcast a little mm -hmm. bit. And it is. We, we touched on it a little bit before, um, mm -hmm. but you're an avid golfer, and you have golfed in our tournament every year. Have you ever won the tournament? Because yeah, Hold on, and let me just interrupt real quick. <laughs> This is, this is, just so you know, this is Brenna's way of, of plugging the golf tournament, which we all respect. It's what I have but to do. yeah, no, it's, she's paid, paid for that. But uh, it, to have you won it. No, I have never won the golf tournament. They haven't either. And no. So I, I personally have commented on some sandbagging that may be going yes. on. Yes, there is. Uh, we even tried to bring in more talent last year, and it right. still didn't work. We so. tried to cheat, and it still wasn't enough. I, for the first time, we, I guess, do we, have the, we didn't have a tournament last year. Oh, we did, we but, did. I, but I wasn't... You weren't able to go. Yeah, I think you were out of town, maybe. But there yeah, was, we did. There was some reason, yeah. So, um, but the year before, it's the first time I actually got a prize because I had closest oh, to the yeah. hole. That's yeah. right, oh. that's right. No, it's a, a self-shameless plug for the, the golf tournament. <laughs> no, it's a, I mean, benefits our patient assistance foundation, uh, which we use to patients undergoing treatment or even those who have completed treatment, helping them, making sure that their day-to-day some of the day-to-day -day things that they need assistance with, we help them get through and, and allow them to spend more time with their families and not have to stress about some of the little things we, uh, you know, sometimes we take for granted when we're not in that position. So I think it's great, obviously a great thing. And anyone who's listening who's interested, uh, Brenna will maybe put a link to sure. some sign-up. I and, just redid the website. Yeah, exactly. So we can get more people involved, hopefully, with that. And but not unless you're cheaters, then please persona <laughs> non grata. Oh, it's not about win. winning. It's about raising money for yes. the foundation yeah. and for enjoying the fresh air. I don't know about these. Yeah, what? Yeah, what? What he said. I yes. think. <laughs> you golfing this weekend? I hope so. <laughs> so I think Marsh Landing. They're going to close down. That's what my dad was telling me. Yeah. That uh, they're finally gonna really mm. yeah. clean Chet, it up, right? Yeah, I think Chet told me they're aiming at like October of 2022 to to reopen. No. Oh, to close. To close. Got it. To close. Because I know there was some talk of trying to get you guys, you know, privileges <laughs> elsewhere. Hopefully, I'm sure. I'm sure they will. But for me, I roll out of bed and and I, I go play golf. Yeah. If I you're living the dream, <laughs> if you have to drive somewhere, it may not be may not be in the table. Oh, living the dream. <laughs> <laughs> he said he had an hour and a half of work left. That's true. <laughs> but rolling out of bed to play golf, in my mind, that's yeah. a dream. <laughs> I, 
I did dream about that as a kid, actually. <laughs> so you're right. Well, the PGA Championships this weekend. So. It's, yeah, it's going on right now. Yeah, I'm listening so. to a little bit on the, on the car. That's the, those are, these are the weekends where I really start to get real jealous of them. Yeah. Oh God, so be... you, know, you know who's leading the PGA? No. I didn't see who it was right now. Phil Mickelson. Is he? Is, is he? he wow. Really? Wow. He's five under. He's finished. And everybody else is still going on, playing. And the wind is howling. And the scores are going up and up and oh, up yeah. and up. It just get, Kiwa yeah. just gets harder throughout the day because the wind just picks up. Yeah. Have you played there, Rick? I have not. That's, have you played it? No, it's it's a place I think I'd like to play. Yeah, it looks, yeah, it looks fun. All right, we got another road trip idea. Let's do it. <laughs> looks like a score of 110. Yeah, be, why didn't we probably. do this podcast in Kiwa? I, yeah, I'll work on it. That and the TikTok. Yeah. Exactly. And the Monaco trip. We and talked about the Monaco about. trip. Monaco. <laughs> Ooh. And He's getting into uh, F1 racing. Yeah. So we said, uh, we there's a documentary it. series about it. Then uh, now I'm, my wife and I are we watched it and then. We're into it now. <laughs> I like it. I went with my uh, my wife and my kids, not this Christmas, but the Christmas before, we went to uh, Lisbon and uh, Madrid, and right. it was fantastic. Wow. Oh, fantastic. Heard great things. Yeah. You want to do my notes? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> we, I, well, well. <laughs> should we do that? Should we do the outro? Yeah, let's do the outro. The outro. All right. Let's do it. Does that mean another joke? I I have one more. Did you, please, please do not give this man any ideas about a joke. Tell it, and I'll find another one for you. For the next one. Rick, there are people requesting jokes. Doctor Siegel, listen, you requesting my jokes. You and your family do not resist. Do it. not count as people who request. My, I know my, my family's requesting it. My oh. phone is blowing up. And it says <laughs> we want more jokes. We've had. How many CSNF employees have come in asking for the jokes today? They, so many. My phone hasn't stopped ringing. But you paid them to say that. Well, no. Well, it's, no. Coincidentally, it's all Beaches employees. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, funny how that works. I think you should tell your other joke. I'll find okay. another one for I'll, you for Okay. Let's, let's tell another joke, Rick. Sure, why not? Let me flip my papers here. Clearly my... Actually, you're going to like this one. My protesting like is going one. nowhere, so I'll just learn to love You'll it. Come around. I'll learn to love it. And you might actually get this joke before I even say the punchline. Are you saying line. I don't get most of your jokes? Well, you know. That seems... That's what I'm hurt over here. You give I'm me hurt. funny faces every time I tell a joke, so I don't know. What's an astronaut's favorite part of a computer? You got me. The space bar. Come on, Rick. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. So, thank you so much, guys, for joining us today on another episode of Medical Minute. And as always, if you have any suggestions on things we should talk about, jokes we shouldn't tell, questions you'd like answered, or if you just want to say hi, you can email us at medicalminute at csnf.us. And make sure you follow us on social media. Search Cancer Specialists of North Florida on Facebook and underscore CSNF on Twitter and Instagram and soon to be TikTok. That's what I've heard. Yep. I'm hoping. But as always, thank you so much for giving us a few minutes of your time. And a double special thanks to Dr. Siegel for sharing his story. And hopefully it provides some wisdom and insight for those listening as to things to think about um, when you come into clinic. Thank you, Dr. Siegel. Oh, it was my pleasure. And remember, when it comes to your health, stay informed. Ask questions. And, and tune, tune in, in next time. time.